Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London is Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. Bravely joining me after this tough result are both Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, it's best to tackle tough moments as a fan with safety and numbers, right, Dan? Yeah, uh, it's not a feeling we've experienced often this season, Nick, losing. It's uh it's a little uncommon feeling. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a common feeling to uh to not show up either, you know. So that's why we're we're doing what we do. We have to show up and you know, I think we're going to have a pretty good pod uh regardless of of the result. With this being a special match, obviously, the FA Cup final, we knew it would be important to get a special guest as well. So, everyone, we are blessed to have Simon Johnson from the evening, their standard evening joining us again. Thanks for coming back on so soon after just hanging out in London a few weeks ago. Yeah, hi, guys. Yeah, it's, it's good to, um, good to uh, talk again, although perhaps not under these circumstances uh, for you guys. But um, it's a pleasure to be back on with, the, with you and to dissect... Uh, Chelsea Arsenal with you for the third time this season. 
Nick has done a good job of uh, lining up consistency with this fixture, right, Nick? Uh, we we had to. I mean, we we talked to Simon at our uh, at our big uh, do at the Atlas Pub, and and you know we we kind of came to the conclusion that there was no other person that could fill this role of of kind of the three time uh, Arsenal fixture in one season than uh, than Simon. So we're excited to have you back on, man. Yeah, it's just, um, unfortunately, we're going to sort of almost go back into uh, the the very first movie, as it were, um, and and talk (laughs) about a very similar plot. Um, In many ways, Chelsea lost theirs, didn't they? But um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it in a lot of detail. But the the caveat, the... the, um, the, the real sort of nice feeling that all uh, Chelsea fans listening to this should still have is that uh, I'm sure thinking back to that Premier League trophy that uh, is a pretty nice consolation to uh, to head into uh, the long summer break and, and ahead of the pre-season which is only five, six weeks away so you haven't got long to wait before Chelsea uh, are soon back in action crazy to think uh, but we do have one quick iTunes review this is how you get a shout out from us on the podcast leaving that five star review uh, Nick we've got one from the UK this week yeah that's right our UK store is filling up which is amazing and uh, look for for any person in the UK to say that we're proper Chelsea is a, a beautiful thing so uh, five star review from Giles is a Wonka, uh, so we appreciate that. Um, thank you very much for for contributing, uh, especially for our friends in, in the UK store. Just feel free to drop us a line, a five-star review. And uh, I believe it's Dan's turn whenever we podcast next, which we will get to at the end of the show. A little, uh, little ping-pong back and forth. Yep. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our quick, really quick first break, and then we'll be back to dive into everything FA Cup final. Here we go. Dan, uh, have you been following some of the new uh, the new releases, kit releases, boot releases on World Soccer Shop? Yeah, Adidas dropped a couple of new boots recently. I felt like I saw those online somewhere. They are. Uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty cool account to follow. Uh, that helps our show if you if you go and follow them. So please go to World Soccer Shop on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Give them a follow. That's where all the new product releases will be, especially as it is concerned. Uh, to Chelsea and Nike uh, this summer. So do that. All right, Chelsea fans, it is time to talk about the Arsenal match. Obviously, it was the FA Cup final at Wembley Stadium. It was this past Saturday, May 28th, May 27th. And in case you somehow missed it, Blues won Gooners 2. Now, obviously, no one on our Facebook page in the Jay Heal prediction game got it right. But, uh, Simon, you're not the only one who didn't get it right. The only difference is you got called out a little bit more than we did. Yeah, uh, Mesut Ozil has named and shamed uh, myself and uh, (laughs) and my colleagues and even Danny Murphy, the the ex-Liverpool and Tottenham midfielder, uh, because it's part of our preview. We were all asked to... um, to, to cast our predictions on the game and to a man we all said Chelsea would win various score lines and, and Mesut Ozil has, um, has uh, I think an Arsenal fan originally tweeted the, uh, a sort of picture of um, this, this part of the page Mesut Ozil has clearly seen it and uh, yes he's mocking us for for um, uh, our expertise um, because I think the headline actually says this is our experts uh, predictions 
And uh, yes, he's uh, he's taken great delight in uh, naming and shaming us. But I, I just wonder whether Mesut Ozil will also acknowledge when uh, certain predictions are proved right. For example, I think we all predicted that Arsenal wouldn't win the league or or would uh, or would beat Bayern Munich in the Champions League, for example. But I, I, I doubt he'll uh, I doubt he'll acknowledge. Um, when things go right, but I don't blame him for having a little bit of banter. I think it's actually quite quite good that a player um, wants to engage and, and, and mock us. And as Joe knows, that if he if um, we, we like to give stick out, so um, if we can't take it, then uh, then uh, you know it will make us hypocrites, really. So um, good on him and uh, enjoy the FA Cup. But I think um, I think you know he he's got the Europa League to look forward to. So perhaps he should focus on. And more important things for next season. If he's uh, also, of course. And potentially a trip to the barber for taking care of a <laughs> hideous haircut. Yes, it was a bit... Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, you know, it, you got to take your shots when they come. Obviously, there's not as many opportunities lately for Arsenal. So, you know, when when things go your way, you, you got to put your name out there, I guess. Um, Dan, though, you know, as we normally do, we've got our lineup time. Uh Thankfully, everyone was healthy, and Conte went with what we've seen over and over this season as his strongest lineup. Yeah, a lineup that won uh, 13 games in a row, pretty much. So we had Courtois, Azpilicueta, Luis Cahill. In front of them, Moses Conte, Matic, Alonso, then Pedro Costa has her up top with the PhD. And then you know, we got to see some substitutions. Fabregas coming in the 61st minute, William coming in the 72nd minute, and then Batshuayi coming in the 88th minute. So, uh, you know, definitely some, uh, some thoughts had potentially been around that maybe, you know, Fabregas would have uh, had an opportunity to start Nick, and uh, that was not, not exactly the case with the lineup. It was not the case. Um, that was certainly what I was uh, hoping for uh, as well. So um, just not not enough uh, creative influence uh, into the midfield today. Well, we'll get into much, much more of that as as usual. Um, stats line, you know, possession almost 50-50 in favor of Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea actually with more total shots, but Arsenal with one more shot on target. I guess as we get right into this, obviously leading off with the goals as we normally do. Uh, fourth minute, Alexis Sanchez, who you know maybe looked like he was auditioning for a summer move with the amount of energy he was playing with. Uh, somehow, with both hands in the air, fooled the referee Anthony Taylor into thinking that he didn't actually touch it with his hand or arm. Uh, and then Ramsey did the double by confusing the assistant referee that he wasn't actually involved in the play from an offside's position. I mean, Dan... I'm sure we could talk about this for a while, but what can we make of this being kind of a sign of the slow start to Chelsea have? Were Chelsea robbed by the refs or were they just slow to react and didn't do enough to maybe play to the whistle, as we say a lot? Uh, I, I think there is a level of complicity on uh, both both parties. So I, I think the players are complicit for not shutting down the play to begin with, but I do think that there was some, and you know, Anthony Taylor might be the best signing we could make in the, uh, the off season. If uh, he can make wonderful decisions like that on a weekly basis in, in our benefit, Um, missing the hands was one thing. And then, you know, if the 
you know, assistant referee is going to start to raise their flag and players are seeing the flag raised and potentially then turn it off. It was just, it was a very unfortunate bunch of situations and, and really just, you know, makes you wonder when something like a video review option will be available to kind of help just even understand, you know, where, where that went wrong or what the, uh, what the challenge is. And, and we were obviously watching on, on TV, Simon, I'm not sure what you thought kind of from, from your perspective in the uh, press box, kind of as this all, all played out over about a, you know, 30 second to minute long window. Well, initially, obviously the, we, we, didn't, we weren't sure about the handball live. I was actually perfectly in line um, with that penalty area. So naturally, I saw the linesman raise his flag. You could see Ramsey was offside. But I thought, as soon as Anthony Taylor went to consult, I thought, he's going to give this um, to Arsenal because obviously there's a big question mark whether Ramsey was interfering with play or not. But as soon as you saw the replay and referee Anthony Taylor's positioning he had a perfect view he was a lot closer um, to making this decision and, and being able to spot the handball than he was for Victor Moses's albeit correct decision to penalise him for diving in the second half um, so how on earth he didn't um, spot and, and penalise that handball I, I do not know but I don't think as bad a decision as that was I don't think Chelsea can uh, blame that um, for their performance. If you remember the, first, the few minutes preceding that, Arsenal were knocking the ball around for fun. There was no press. There was no desire. There was no hunger from the Chelsea players. And don't forget that in the week, Chelsea themselves have released a statement talking about the terrorist attack in Manchester and all the tributes that would be paid by both clubs and one of those was wearing black armbands and Chelsea forgot or there was a, a some kind of um, mistake where they emerged without these black armbands and I think in a way it was very indicative of Chelsea's afternoon in that they just didn't seem to have the focus on what they were doing it was like the title celebrations, despite all of Antonio Conte's words about we've got to be we've got to be hungry for this, we've got to re- rediscover our desire. Arsenal for them, it's huge. That's why they're the favourites because this can salvage their season. Conte had spoken all week about trying to get the Chelsea players up for this game, and it just seemed that his words fell on deaf ears because I saw a group of players that were a shadow of the players that, that won the league. They they came out, they, they started in such a poor fashion, they gifted Arsenal the initiative and they never bounced back. So as, as much as Chelsea can moan about that decision, they can really have no complaints because the, the result is what they deserve for the performance they put in. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, it was obviously the wrong decision here. And I think, you know, in a certain way, maybe Simon, the, you know, the, early nature of that mistake was actually beneficial for Chelsea. I mean, you would have hated to seen a decision, you know, that poor happen in like the 85th minute, you know, for example, and then, and then it's impossible to come back from it. But, you know, honestly, I think as an overall aside to this match, Chelsea were so poor that even this decision, you know, I, I couldn't be that upset about it because I mean, there were probably, 
six or seven clear cut chances for Arsenal to score in this game. Uh, you know, Tebow and, and Gary Cahill did their best to only let in two, but, um, you know, the, the team was so poor. I will say, however, on, on this particular decision, then we can move on. Uh, you know, the, the arm in a natural position in, in the penalty box is kind of, you know, a running joke. Um, I've never seen a player go volleyball style, hands above head while jumping natural position, deflect the ball down. Uh, that is, is just ludicrous to me that that was not even close to being, a, a, you know, given as a handball and, and Chelsea's free kick. So, you know, I think for Anthony Taylor, he's going to have uh, probably some questions to answer as to what he's looking at uh, in, in that moment. But the, the, the cra- I'll just jump in just again. The, the, the crazy thing is, is that's the third blatant handball that Chelsea have been on the receiving end of in the last six weeks. I right. refer also back to, to Bournemouth, uh, the goal <laughs> they scored at the start of the build-up. There was a blatant handball uh, where Alonso lost possession because of it. And, of course, at Old Trafford, the opening goal um, when Herrera beautifully uh, controlled Matic's attempt at a through ball with his arm uh, before uh, passing the ball through to Marcus Rashford. Um, the, the other point I wish to make is that for Chelsea were clearly the favourites. For Arsenal to sort of fight against this, they had to get the first goal. And to get it so soon, it, you could see that it galvanised them. So, so they clearly came out with huge intent anyway. But to get a goal so early on, it injected them with huge belief. Now, if Chelsea had started in the same, in, in that kind of fashion and got the got the first goal, I think Arsenal would have collapsed. They would have they would have surrendered quite tamely. So it was a really hugely significant moment, but it doesn't excuse particularly the, the rest of the first half displayed by Chelsea, which was very, very poor by their standards. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Like from my standpoint, I, I still think that it's like it, it doesn't justify how Chelsea came out, but the fact that Arsenal did not finish off any of these chances that they had, like the Arsenal fan at the bar saying it should have been 8-1, but the problem is it wasn't. Like it could have been 0-0 going into halftime with Arsenal dominating and having nothing to show for it. And I think that that would be something at least Conte could have looked at. And then even in the second half, I said, look, it's only going to take one crappy goal for Chelsea to get back into it. And we got it. So, like, I still, like, even though Chelsea were playing so bad, like, that they always were at least at 0-0 have a chance to hit them on the break or have some lucky bounce go their way, you know, and it just didn't happen. But uh, definitely a tough thing to to have happen. But, you know, it unfortunately is uh, something that I'm sure will be used in training videos all summer at the FA with the referees. Um, 68th minute, as Simon had alluded to, Victor Moses dribbles into the box before hitting the ground under what looked like contact in real time, but ended up being simulation. So he sent off for a second yellow card. Nick, obviously, probably the next big moment of this match. Yeah, uh, I, I will. You know, I've waxed poetic about Victor Moses all year, and and I still. You know, despite how poor his performance was yesterday, I still think he brings incredible value to the Chelsea side. I, I you know, it's just really I, I was bummed for him and, you know, obviously bummed for the team that he didn't play well. You know, it was, it was a bad day to have a bad day. Uh, and, you know, he had especially since you know, I think he went through a little bit of 
a dip in form and you know i think it was december january he had really you know rose to the occasion uh down the stretch and in this game he just didn't look confident he didn't look like he could get his dribbles off you know he he had to take one for the team like you said brandon uh on the first yellow you know as, as arsenal were on the break and you know had to make that professional foul uh judgment and then this it just looked like he was trying to atone for a day of you know lackluster play and you know i thought that arsenal were actually really smart to kind of hedge their bets by by you know kind of face guarding alonzo down the the left wing and moses you know when he's given this much space usually does something with it uh and and just didn't have it yesterday and you know, it was the correct decision uh, to go down uh, or to go down. It was not the correct decision to go down. It was the correct decision to, to give him a second yellow. Uh, and, you know, it's just very disappointed for him and very disappointed that he didn't have a even an average game by his standards. You know, I kind of fought some people on Twitter a little bit over this. You know, people obviously, like you said, Nick, forgetting the past nine, ten months of, you know, what Victor has done, obviously in a brand new role and, you know, and a team that is flying high. But, you know, obviously, Simon, it uh, didn't reflect great on him, maybe looked like the occasion was was big for him. And it's uh, hopefully just a learning experience that he can take with him as, you know, hopefully he continues to develop at Chelsea and be like a rock solid player out on the right wing back for us. Yes, um, I mean, I think I'm sure I've said to you guys before um and it's certainly, I, I certainly made a point of, of writing about Victor Moses and Marcos Alonso uh, at various points during the season in that I think it's a tremendous story, the two of them, and they definitely have their, their qualities. Um, but I also think they have a lot of deficiencies and it is an area where Chelsea are looking to strengthen. And I think they, they do have to strengthen. I, I think these guys are, when you compare them to the best wing-backs that the game has to offer you'd have to sort of question sort of how close they are. They, they've had great seasons. It sounds a bit of contradiction, but I, I just don't think that they are the long-term solution. And I, I, I just think certainly Victor, um, he, I'd say his second half of the season hasn't quite matched the first half of the season. And um, he, he's, he's really sport his copybook by, and, and a great fairy tale. Uh, to his season by by what he did at Wembley, um, it was a terrible dive. He actually, I think, he also dived a little bit in the semi final as well. As, as much as it was a penalty, because Son was a it was a stupid challenge. But I remember the way that Moses felt. It wasn't a natural. It wasn't a natural. Oh, I've been clipped. I've been fouled. He made sure he was fouled. So it's something definitely in his game. And the FA are making a huge efforts to stamp this out. Next season, they're going to bring in retrospective punishment. But I actually think a lot of players will have watched events at Wembley. The humiliation that Moses went through. The fact that it, it cost Chelsea badly because they were on top at the time. Um, and that could prove to be a bigger deterrent than any kind of threat of retrospective action next season. Well, thankfully, we can turn a little bit in a better, more positive direction. 76-minute Diego says no to China Costa, who, in my opinion, had a good game, was able to bring down a long ball off his chest and finally rifled home what was the equalizer at the time, Dan? 
Yeah, you know, he was uh, definitely fighting off a, a ton of uh, Rob Holding and Murder Sacker throughout the entire match. And, you know, Holding was definitely trying to give him the WWE style treatment in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, he held up the ball, kicked it towards goal, took a nice little deflection for him and, and trickled past Ospina. And I mean, that's what Diego's capable of doing, you know, on, on any given day. He, you know, when you don't think a goal is going to come, he finds a way to help make it happen. And, you know, as much as there's some great names that we're linked with from uh, striker targets, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously the, the money is out there potentially to bring Diego Costa somewhere else. I know you've kind of, you know, discussed previously, Simon, but man, I, I just, there's not, you know, many other names I would want leading the line other than Diego Costa when he's having a great day. Yeah, um, Diego is, whatever happens this summer, will be sort of remembered in so many different ways by so many different people um, because you just get so many different versions of Diego Costa. It's not a simple case of Jekyll and Hyde with him. He's he's, the, he's got so many personalities. And in a way, sort of yesterday, uh, the Saturday afternoon, Sort of was his season or his time at Chelsea in a nutshell. We saw everything. We saw dissent to match officials, bust up with opposing players, um, the, the, the strange sort of scenario of him being substituted by Antonio Conte as well. I, I still still haven't um, seen any quotes. Um, I obviously was busy with the mix zone explaining that decision. But his performance for sort of 10, 15 minutes in that second half period was Diego Costa at his very, very best. And when you watch him like that, you just think, well, why would Chelsea go and look for anyone else? They should be doing everything they can to keep him because the Arsenal defenders were scared of him. No doubt about it. You could see that they didn't know how to handle him. It was almost single-handedly um, uh, on his shoulders to turn the game around. The, the, the nature of his goal reminded me a little bit of his goal at um, at uh, Man City, the way that he chested it, uh, chested Williams' pass and then brought it inside um, the centre-half. The finish wasn't quite as emphatic, of course. It was a bit scrappy. But, um, of course, even after Arsenal then reached the lead, he, he almost got the equaliser a second time. And, and Diego... It's a, he's, he's a hard guy to figure out. He can he can flip from one mood to another within a few seconds. But my word, when, when he's on his game, he, he is one of the best strikers out there. Well, we'll also uh, dig into him a little bit more later. Uh, but to wrap this one up, 79th minute before Chelsea fans had finished celebrating, Ramsey runs through the box unmarked and puts home his free header, which would be the game winner, Nick. Yeah, this is... <clears throat> It was kind of a match of irony in, in a lot of different ways, but uh, this is really, you know, the, the counterattack that Arsenal was able to deploy at times yesterday was really reminiscent of how Chelsea kind of ran through the league. Um, you know, suck them in and then pounce when they give you the opportunity. And, you know, when Chelsea were, you know, I think at their best yesterday, you know, we had a, a few corners in a row that Arsenal, you know, we didn't get a head on or that Arsenal cleared out and then started their counterattack immediately. And, um, you know, I think it was it was a blazing counterattack. Arsenal looked fitter in this match. They looked more uh, willing to make runs. And, 
You know, this was just really, really, really sloppy defending by Cahill. This was very sloppy defending uh, by David Luiz, who had no idea that Aaron Ramsey was even in the box. And, uh, you know, very disappointing because even with 10 men, I think the sense was, you know, at least from, from our text group, that, you know, if, if Chelsea get it to 1-1, even with 10 men, that, you know, anything's possible, you know, even even an extra time. You know, I think that, you know, they would have figured out a way to gut it out. But to get hit so ruthlessly, you know, kind of, you know, might have been how other teams felt <laughs> with with Chelsea this year. Well, you know, obviously, I think it was Conte who watched him run by in the box. But, yeah, at that point, Chelsea were so stretched. Um we weren't the defensive unit we had seen all season. So uh, as you know, that would be how it ends. But let's go ahead and talk about some other stuff for now. So, you know, any ideas, maybe why Chelsea didn't seem to turn up today, Dan? We we had the starting lineup we wanted. We had a week of preparation for the most part. Um, you know, I don't know. Was it just the fact that we had won the league? That was the big one that we were focused on and, and this kind of essentially job had done? Uh, I mean, you know, I think any time that your, you know, manager is out in the press talking about the the need for focus and mentality, not, not, these are all professional players who, you know, it's their job every week to go in and train and prepare for one to two to three matches. Um, but uh, you know, it definitely seems like the drive and desire to win. And to make a statement on what Arsenal season was going to look like was was there in their minds and not necessarily in the minds of you know, the the Chelsea players. Every tackle, I mean, you know, I think we heard probably about 15, 20 times about the fact that, you know, Murdersacker hadn't made a start all season and the, the praise that he was getting for, you know, a, a very gutsy performance. Um, yeah, just a really odd odd game and you know i mean we we were watching at home but i mean from your perspective being there simon what was the the atmosphere really kind of as the chelsea fans were kind of watching this unfold i i i remember the start of the game and i mean the atmosphere is fantastic you just thought right we're going to see a great game here and to be fair it was a great cup final even though chelsea weren't at their best um but from Chelsea fans' point of view, there, there really was a long periods of almost, I wouldn't say silence, but there, there, there was an element of, because I was actually at the Chelsea end, that, where, where my seat was in the press box. Um, it, there was a kind of a stunned vibe that I don't think a lot of the Chelsea fans could believe what they were seeing um, because it, it was almost like they'd gone back in time, of course, to September at the, at the Emirates. It was, it, it was that bad. Um, and I, I remember tweeting. I remember tweeting along the lines of um, they started singing um, uh, "Sing Up for the Champions" or, or some or words to that effect. And it, and it was almost like they were reminding the players, uh, guys, you're, you're supposed to be good at this. <laughs> like, you, you remember, you, you just won the league. You know, you're supposed to be the best team in England. Now start playing like it. Um, but when they were given a, a bit of hope, when the team came out in the second half with clearly having received quite a bit of a talking to by Conte and probably John Terry as well, who was unused, of course, uh, unused substitute. Um, 
that they really sort of started to believe that something that they could turn that game around. And the, the funny thing is, it's like you, you think back, and of course Arsenal created more clear cut chances, but given how below par Chelsea were, they still created quite a lot. And it, it only just, you think back to it now, and you just think, wow, if they could sort of create that kind of, uh, that, that amount of chances playing way below their best, it just shows that if the real Chelsea had turned up, how they would probably be celebrating the double right now. Nick, uh, do we dare give Arsene Wenger credit for nullifying Chelsea tactically, or did a blind squirrel actually find a nut? <laughs> I mean, according to whoscored.com, the best-rated player on each team only got a 7.8, and that is way below par. I mean, I think it was a combination. I think, uh, you know, you, you do have to give your opponent credit when they beat you. Um, so, you know, as much as I hate to do it, I think that, you know, Arsene Wenger... Use the use the ingredients in his kitchen uh, to to make the best dish that he could. Um, it's not to say that you know if you played that game ten times that they would come out a winner each time, but uh, you know I think that he does deserve some credit. And then you know obviously Chelsea had many many players who were very very poor. Um, you know I think Eden Hazard was a ghost yesterday. Uh, you know Nemanja Matic couldn't get the ball out of his uh, under his own feet uh, for you know about sixty minutes of of play. Uh, you know you look at you know obviously Victor Moses we talked about Alonso tried but you know was really being hassled on the left. Uh, you know Pedro you know missed a few chances that you know ordinarily a finisher like uh, of the quality of himself would you know put away one of and. You know, our back line was kind of all over the place for, for most of the match. So, uh, you know, I think there's just a bunch of different factors here. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it just felt like they couldn't they couldn't get it together at all. You know, and, and that's a huge bummer because, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's so rare to win the double. Uh, you know, and yesterday was as good of an opportunity as any. Uh, that Chelsea might ever have, you know, you have a team that's on the uh, reeling from a terrible season. Not sure if their manager is going to be around. Not sure what their transfer policy is going to be. Playing Europa League next year, and you know, just couldn't, you know, Chelsea couldn't figure it out. Well, you know, it definitely. Uh, I don't know. I'd never seen Chelsea's midfield and backline so disconnected. I think to me, like. Hazard was more of a ghost because Alonso was pinned down and we couldn't find him at all. Uh, it just, it was not, it was a very disconnected team. I thought, you know, Pedro was obviously really good. Every time he ran at Arsenal, he did very positive things. Just couldn't quite get kind of the last piece of that puzzle in the attack down, unfortunately. Um, I guess, how does this affect the season as a whole, Nick? I know a lot of people you know, compartmentalize this season into one game at a time. And, you know, people, I think with this also being the last match, will say we lost our last match. It was a cup final. This sucks. We need to revamp the entire team. Maybe we don't give Conte an extension. I mean, this is the overreaction I'm hearing on Twitter. So on behalf of first hipster on Instagram asks, does losing in the cup final diminish any of the accomplishments from this season? Uh, no, I mean, it's it certainly, you know, I felt as down yesterday as I have all season um, because, 
you know, again, I just go back to the fact that it is so hard to win the double. Uh, you know, so very few teams have, have accomplished that as a feat. And it just felt like a, a missed opportunity uh, to do something really special. Uh, you know, and it, it, losing to Arsenal is, is awful in and of itself. Losing so convincingly uh, is even worse. And, you know, I think that when you, when you take a step back from here, uh, you know, there's a lot to be proud of. There are a lot of players to be proud of, a lot of performances that you will look back on for a long time and think, man, what an incredible uh, you know, day Hazard had against Arsenal in February or N'Golo Conte's entire contribution. It just, in the moment when it's a little raw, uh, it's it's difficult to kind of get over this one. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I have a lot of the same sentiment, but you know, to me, I, I think it actually makes me appreciate what we accomplished as a as a club and as a side even more this season to think about you know the fact that you know we lost so few games we managed draws when there should have been losses we turn you know potential draws into wins and, and to see what you know Conte was able to do in the the first season uh, I mean outperformed you know even the the most lofty expectations of of many a fan and supporter so you know, to me, I, I think, well, it sucks to lose, you know, in the final and, and to see a, a rival, you know, pick up the trophy that, you know, you were hoping you were going to hoist as well. I, I think it makes me appreciate the fact that we were able to go from 10th place in the season prior to now have gone to winning the Premier League and to do so with only some minor alterations to the side and, and with the fewest number of rotations and setting a league number record of wins. Like there's so many positives that, you know, this to me is more a minor blemish and, and not really, it doesn't take away from, I think what was in one of the most enjoyable seasons to witness as, as just someone who loves the club. So Simon, uh, pitching it to you, I guess, and, and maybe if you feel like it is worth talking about, cause I know, uh, people talked about Conte's record and kind of these cup finals, especially from his time in Italy. Do you think that matters? And if not, feel free to just blow past it and go into kind of how this sour taste right now shouldn't really, or I guess, however you feel, how it should affect the season as a whole. I, I, I think the easiest way, look, I, I think Chelsea fans rightfully should be disappointed for, I'd say, 24 hours um, after the game, 48 hours maybe. But if you're still feeling down uh, after that, go put a DVD on or, or, or any recording or, or go go look on the internet for any clips of some of the games from this season. And, and then cast your mind back to how you felt when Arsenal beat Chelsea in convincing fashion at the Emirates. And, and what were your hopes back then for Chelsea? I would argue and... and, and and of course, we debated that game um, that uh, the following uh, in that podcast, of course. And we were all talking about the fact that a top four place would be the best Chelsea could achieve. So, for them to be champions, to, to win thirty league games, to beat the record set by those tremendous Jose Mourinho sides of two thousand five, two thousand six. It still goes down as a tremendous season. And another consolation, if, if you want to have some banter with Arsenal fans who are no doubt crowing um, to you, you can say, well, since Arsenal last won the league, 
Chelsea won it five times. That, I'm sure, is a statistic that is far more enjoyable um, to talk about. And and on the plus side of what happened at Wembley is that, and, and Conte's been saying this a lot, particularly in the final few weeks of the season, he's been talking about how he only has 13, 14 players to choose from. And it's clearly been a message to the board that he wants significant backing the transfer market. And if one positive can come out of that dismal performance, it's that it shows that this squad isn't good enough to compete on four fronts next season. And that it's still, despite being champions, there are a lot of positions that need strengthening. And the board will have seen that game and Conte will make that point very clearly uh, which he has been doing for some time now, but he needs back in the summer transfer window. And I'm sure Chelsea will do exactly that. And Chelsea will be uh, a very busy club uh, for the next few months. Well, that'll be a time that we can all get excited about. Obviously, that is kind of the next crazy moment of the season for Chelsea fans is the transfer rumors and everything that goes around that. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good call. You know, we had some very... Um, Big wins this season, obviously, but don't let it get you down, Chelsea fans. We have even some more positive stuff coming up. Uh, it'll be a good summer, obviously, heading to Asia to go, you know, spread the good word of Chelsea Football Club and everything that comes with it. And thankfully, they'll be able to take that shiny new Premier League trophy with them, which is oh so important. That's why we watch. We want to see trophies. So uh, any other thoughts or comments about this match? Uh, a little different format today, but don't worry. We're going to do social media questions and kind of a look ahead to the summer in part two. But uh, let's see, Dan, anything else that uh, you want to touch on? No, I think it was a you know fortunate end result, but I think Simon makes a lot of really great points about the fact that I mean, there's too many positives from this season to be let down by, uh, you know, one one unfortunate result. So, uh, you know, up the Chels. Uh Nick, what about you, sir? Squad depth. That's it. Oh, hashtag starting that. Hashtag squad depth. All right. Uh, Simon, anything else uh, that we won't talk about in the next part that maybe you wanted to touch on? Obviously, talked about the atmosphere being uh, quite phenomenal to kick off the match. Um, yeah, I, I suppose just, um, just I, I think it was just a, an enjoyable occasion. Of course, back in back in England, it's been um, a tough time, um, as you guys, I'm, I'm sure, are aware. Um, events that have happened. It was a it was a strange cut final pre match sort of um, vibe to walk into, where it's the first FA Cup I've ever attended. Where, um, of course, you guys are used to seeing armed uh, policemen. Um, we certainly aren't, um, but that's what we had all down Mem- uh, Wembley Way. Uh, lots of police, um, armed police, um, armoured trucks. Um, but the football fans turned up looking to enjoy themselves as normal, and no one batted an eyelid. And I just thought, despite you know the disappointment of the result, it was it was more than that. On, on Saturday afternoon, it was a, it was still a defiant message of, we shall carry on. We won't let certain elements of um, society uh, win or, or get us down or stop us from enjoying life. And uh, 
and and my my day sort of ended with um, in an Indian restaurant with a few colleagues, enjoying a nice meal, and a, a few tonics, mm-hmm. and and then one chap stood up and started singing Ness and Dorma, um, in very impressive fashion, uh, might I add. Um, one very sort of jovial uh, person, and I just thought it was a, a day of. Um, just enjoying the day and enjoying a great game of football and regardless of which side you're on I think everyone sort of just enjoyed going about their business and not letting horrible events that we've had to talk about for a few days before that um, get in the way of that no that is a good way to wrap this up Uh, we we had a very rowdy and busy uh, time at Brits but during that entire moment of science and everything, uh, the entire place, including the staff, was absolutely silent. So it was, it was uh, I can tell you it was being respected worldwide as well. So um, well done by everyone involved and especially for you all enjoying the day and, uh, you know, kind of defying the uh, the message that people are trying to spread by putting people into fear. So. With that being said, we will take a really quick break and we'll be right back to continue the discussion. Here we go. Hey, Dan, uh, do you have your uh, your 17 champions kit from World Soccer Shop yet? No, but I, I know that they are all available there in both the, uh, the home, the away and the third kit options uh, right now. Which which one is your favorite? I mean, gold is fun and, and being champions of England is fun. Yeah, not not uh, cup champions, but uh, league champions, and uh, you know, securing a spot in the Champions League. Uh, you know, I, I think that white, that uh, third with the uh, the gold is is quite quite wonderful. That's pretty clean. All you have to do use a referral link, go to worldsoccershop.com, support our show. It's the easiest way to do it, and uh, and get yourself some blinged out uh, Chelsea gear before the Nike editions roll through. That's it. All right, part two. Um, so now that we have Simon on, obviously we have a little bit more of an insight, especially with the mix zone afterwards and things. And man, I don't know, Simon, if it's because it's the end of the season. So this is like their last chance to position themselves wherever they want to be going into the transfer window. Uh, but let's kick it off with Diego Costa's comments, obviously speaking either in Spanish or Portuguese, um, but essentially translated to he said... He wants to stay at Chelsea. The only place he'd leave to go is back to Spain. And when China was brought up, he said, no, no, no. Yeah, that surprised, that surprised me and surprised a lot of people because um, all the indications are that uh, Diego Costa, um, of course, he, he, he wants to compete. I think it's the World Cup and also the chance to compete in the Champions League, which perhaps will make him ignore the money. But... He's thinking long term about not just how a big payday in China can set him up, um, not necessarily for life, because I mean he'll be earning so much money over there. <laughs> he could he could uh, set him up for several lives, and that's actually the point. Actually, that that he, as far as he's concerned, if he gets big money from China, it can set up generations of costers for years, uh, you know, for hundreds of years, because he'd earned so much money that he could su- he could support his his children, their children, their children, their children, so on and so forth. So I, I, I don't necessarily rule out China at this point, but it's very interesting that he 
has come out and done a bit of a U-turn and sort of has tried to sort of start now saying that Chelsea is now back, staying at Chelsea is now back under, uh, back in the equation. And it does sort of um, put the ball back in Chelsea's court. Do they now go and offer him a contract extension? Of course, Chelsea, this is another part of their busy summer. Um, Thibaut Courtois is another one. Eden Hazard's another. They've got to sort of decide who gets these long-term big money deals. And, and Diego Costa is on about 150 grand a week. Do they sort of whack him up to 250, 300? Um, is he worth that kind of money? As we saw the first half of the season, when he plays like that, you have to say, yes, he is. When he plays like he did in the second half of the season, you have to think not. So it's it's a big decision for Chelsea, but I, I I'll be very interested to hear your thoughts, fellas. Whether you'd given the choice, whether you want Costa to stay or to go. I've always been I've always been pro Costa, but I'll let each guy say their own piece. Yeah, I, I would quickly say. I mean, if if he's right, if he's you know mentally engaged, which is I think the you know maybe the biggest concern that that fans have about his um role in the in the team if he's if he's mentally there he's he's a handle or a handful to deal with i mean he uh can do things that very few strikers can do especially in hold up play um his body is just uh big enough to to handle defenders so you know if if he's right and if he's happy you know content at chelsea then i would i would have him if not you know that that's kind of the the other side of the equation, Dan. Yeah, I think you you hit it right on where I would go, Nick. Is that ultimately, if uh, he's connected, he's engaged, he's focused, and he's scoring in the way that we know he's able to score, hundred percent. If he's you know being uh, intrigued by offerings and lands far away, then that's probably where his his physical presence should be, in addition to his mind. But like to me, that's too easy. Like, of course, I would want Diego Costa at his prime for ten months of the year, and like, and I don't want him thinking about making hundreds of millions of dollars in China. But like, even if he is, you know, he scored what over twenty goals in two out of the three seasons, won the Premier League two out of the three seasons. I think that overall, even if he, like, as Simon is saying, you get the good and the bad because he's just an emotional person in general. Like, even with the lulls, he does enough to help the team. Or this season, it just opened up the ability for Hazard and Pedro to, like, kind of step up the scoring. So, like, for me, I think it's that's part of the package. Like, you don't just get good Diego, for better or for worse. Like, not saying it's right or not. I just, it's it's hard to to separate out those two sides of him. And, and the thing is, is that when he when he did reach fifty league goals, it shouldn't be forgotten. He 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 did it in a quicker time than uh, <clears throat> Luis Suarez, if I if memory serves me right. Which is, I think, and he was like seventh or eighth quickest to do it. Um, so even though he has had his low, his his quiet times, which tends to be in the second half of the season, he, he's a he's a guy that's very strong for half a season. Um, and then tends to die down a little bit in the second half. But even with that trend, he's still one of the most prolific strikers the league's ever seen. And the one thing I would sort of balance up as well, the the image that Costa has of this snarling, nasty, um, competitive, um, over-the-top, and sulky and greedy, that's sort of one side of him, clearly. 
But there is another side to him as well that, that you won't get to see or read about as much, which is the guy that, that, that is up there with the likes of David Louise of, of putting the most time in with the kids that, that come down to Cobham. The, the guy that uh, there was a pre-season uh, barbecue where loads of families were invited down. And, and even though he'd gone through a tough training session, he was, he was the one, uh, despite feeling utterly exhausted, that played with these kids Again, another game of football for 40, 45 minutes, even though he's exhausted. Um, this is the side that you don't get to see, plus the character, the, the, the crazy guy that, that makes all the players laugh, even though half of them, at least half of them, don't understand the word he's saying. Um, so Costa's a really complex character. Um, and if he does leave, and it's still a big if, because you've got to remember that a club has to meet Chelsea's asking price which will be huge they're not going to sell him on the cheap but can you replace him and of course Romelu Lukaku is their, their main uh, target now but Lukaku has shown that he can score against the weak opposition but can he do what Costa has done many times and score in the big games and make the difference uh, when it really matters when the team is struggling and uh, it's a really tough call for Chelsea it's a it's one of many decisions that um, we could be reflecting on in 12 months time and so and, and arguing whether they got it right or wrong it, 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 it's that key absolutely um, Nick I guess what else yeah, Simon, we saw that Seth Fabregas, you know, had um, some interesting quotes after the match yesterday um, and, you know, I think was incredibly disappointed to not get a start. You know, do you think that this has, you know, given his run of form and given how well he's played um, you know, the second half of the season, particularly that, you know, this could have an impact on his future as well? Possibly. I mean, I think I think um, his future was going to be up for debate anyway, because Fabregas is clearly too good um, to be a twelfth man, which is effectively what he's become. He, he's become the, the the sort of the first change, as it were, in terms of it, certainly second half of the season that Conte would make in terms of either him starting or him sort of coming off the bench. Um, I think he's been brilliant at it. I think he's he's. Funny enough, had I'd argue his best season in a Chelsea shirt simply because he's had to prove himself so much. But the thing is, is that Fabregas wants to stay in England. Um, he's not interested in AC Milan, who, who wanted to, to buy him. Um, ideally, he wants to stay in London uh, because his family is settled there. And the moment you sort of bring these points into it, he's got two years left on his contract. Who where can he go that is going to meet his level of expectation and uh, can be for trophies? Well, he's obviously not going to join Tottenham for, for the, you know, obvious reasons. Arsenal, they had a chance to buy him back and they said no. Um, and that's why he ended up at Chelsea. Um, and then he's certainly not going to consider all the other clubs in London because they're not good enough. Um, and then you're looking at sort of, well, is he prepared to go to a lot of the United or Liverpool if they make a bid? But is there room for him in those squads? So it it is a sort of a again, a bit like Costa. It's he's got T's left on his deal. He's clearly not happy about not being first choice, but where does he go from here? I, I I'm not sure there's a easy answer for him, but the fact that he was moaning about not starting I think is a sign of just how unhappy he is 
um, sort of being sort of second playing second fiddle to Nemanja Matic and don't forget that Chelsea are lining up back at Yoko um, so it's not as if even if Nemanja Matic he could be off himself even if Matic goes um, Chelsea are looking at someone else to play next to Kante anyway next season so then the last kind of thought would be is, you know, Conte obviously, you know, kind of came through uh, late per usual after the, the end of the match to kind of talk about, you know, his thoughts and feelings and especially kind of made some comments about the cold assessment that the team would need to take. Uh, you know, did you have any feelings or thoughts around kind of his attitude towards the, the transfer window coming up? Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's desperate. Um to, to strengthen and, and it's to kind of touched on what I said earlier that um, that he's, he's constantly referred to these 13, 14 players that he's been picking from um, all season pretty much and, and, and it's been shown by the fact that he's made the least changes to the starting 11 of, of any manager um, he clearly sees his squad is, is very small and, and, and needing a lot of um, restructuring, uh, rebuilding and improving um, so from what I've been told he's already been given given um, he's already given a list of players he wants it's going to include um, a backup goalkeeper because uh, Asmir Bagovic will leave um, at least one centre half but of course don't forget Andres Christensen's coming back um, a central midfielder um, possibly two wing backs and a striker so it it just shows how busy uh, Chelsea plans to be that they're looking at sort of six signings um, to bolster this squad because they're under no illusions that uh, Champions League football which is a competition they want to compete in um, but they're under no illusions that the, the the fixture schedule is going to be an awful lot tougher to deal with next season and he's he's not going to be able to get away with picking just 13, 14 players like he has been for most of this season. Yeah, and I don't think six players seems that unreasonable when you're talking about this. I mean, like Antonio Conte was known for making the least amount of changes to his squad. And it was literally, you know, one game a week for the most part. Got a little, you know, crazy towards the end because thankfully we were still in the FA Cup uh, doing that run. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's going to be some guys coming and going this summer. Uh, Thankfully, you'd think that more of the established guys like obviously Sesk and William and and, um, you know, we'll stick around. We'll just be adding depth. But I think this is where you're going to see how much Antonio Conte rates uh, the younger guys. Um, obviously, Mishi isn't a youth academy player, but will he be around? Uh, obviously, what is going to happen with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Shalaba, um, you know, kind of some of those guys. Even Azuma, who used to pretty much be like uh, first team in and out, had his injury He's still gotten some time, but he might be one queued up for another loan move as well. Uh, but, you know, six players doesn't seem that crazy. No, I, I think I think six players is, is um, of course, it depends how expensive they are. Um, I think that's another factor, of course. And you know, I've already touched on Lukaku. He's not going to go cheaply. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, Southampton, he's going to cost an awful lot of money too. Bakayoko is going to be over 40 million. So you could argue already that's um, just off the top of my head. You're talking uh, potentially 160, 170 million pounds just for three players. I mean, that, that's how crazy it is. But 
Chelsea have money to spend. Um, I, I did a big piece, a uh, big analysis piece for the Evening Standard um, in the week leading up to the cup final. And for example, the last three seasons, their net spend is, has been just £13 million, pounds, one three that is. Um, this season, because of winning the league, they haven't lost out financially with the uh, lack of Champions League football because by, by winning the league, they've won 152 million in, in prize money compared to, I think it's about 78 million last season for finishing 10. So a huge increase in, in revenue. You've touched on the, the Nike kit deal as part of your talking about the, the, shirt, the jerseys that are going to become available soon. That's going to be 60 million a year extra. Uh, from next season so you know I've just sort of reeled off a few figures for you Um, it clearly shows that that the club are in in rude health financially to go out and buy these players Um, because of course it's not just the transfer fees it's the the wages Um, but Chelsea are in a very strong position they've got Champions League football to offer these guys as well Um, so there's an awful lot to be optimistic about and Conte of course is going to get a contract extension too so it's uh, to get the FA Cup final result, everyone. Um, you know, Chelsea are really going places, and um, the, all the talk about the club now is that this could be a whole new era um, of success, uh, similar to the, the one that Jose Mourinho kick started uh, back in 2005 with that first title win. Absolutely. I think this is probably a good time to uh, answer at NavRav28's question. If you could rate this season on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being perfect. Uh, what would you rate it, Dan? One to ten. I feel like there's always a question that you get to throw to me and gives me a chance to give an exasperated sigh, as if I don't know. <laughs> um, but I did get to talk about the Chelsea goal this week, so I feel like I, you know, did have a bit of positive luck here. Um, I think overall, uh, probably like a nine, nine point five. I mean, this again. There's so many like stupid, crazy things that happened this season that were just exceptional on, on top of winning the league. And, you know, it would have been great to win one or two additional trophies to go with it. Sure. But, you know, the, the ceiling on this, what success looked like this season was so low initially. Um, you know, Conte, you know, kind of redrew the blueprint and, and raised that ceiling up significantly. And, you know, exceptional. I'll, I'll go 9.5. All right, Nick, what about you, man? I'm going to go 8.5. Um, you know, that might seem low compared to Dan's, but I think had we won the final yesterday and done the double, which is, again, very rare to do, um, it would have been it would have been a 10. Um, I think there was incredible moments. The league season was uh, amazing to witness. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of the Conte, Antonio Conte, um feeling that you got that you know this guy cares and he's he's there he's you know kicking every ball with us 8.5 it gives us room for improvement and uh you know i think we're we're as simon just noted that's the path that chelsea's on right now all right i'm gonna give it a nine specifically just because we overachieved on our goals at the beginning of the season which were just get top four uh, Conte over delivered on that. And so that's where I'm at. Um, expert opinion from you, Simon Johnson, as we know how good you are at predicting and rating. <laughs> yeah, ask, ask me, is it Ozil? Uh, no, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. 
There you <laughs> no, go. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I'm obviously being silly. Um, no, I'll, I'll give it a nine as well. Um, I, I think um, I, I touch back to what I said before. You, you go back to the start of the season, and, and actually, you go back to last summer, actually. And all the talk was that it was going to be Man City v Man United, uh, Pep Guardiola v Jose Mourinho. Antonio Conte arrived, which very much under the radar. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't particularly convinced that all Chelsea fans were, were excited by his appointment. So, for him to come in, win the title in his first season, and yeah, there was a little bit of uh, cause for concern uh, for a few weeks when Tottenham did what they did a year ago and, and staged a bit of a rally. But Chelsea led the league for six months. They've broken a, a record that I thought could not be beaten in terms of Jose Mourinho's 29 wins in 2005 and 2006. Remember how good that team was um, to set that record. And this team beat that. And that's with a squad that, as we've been talking about, is not as strong as he wants it to be. Um, I think it's a, a remarkable season. And yes, look, the FA Cup final was a disappointing way to end. But I, I, I really think that um, what Conte has achieved, um, he, he says himself that he's ahead of schedule for what he had planned. And, and that says it all. So then a, a nine is the least uh, he deserves and Chelsea deserve for, for this season and, and winning that trophy again. All right. Well, and to wrap this one up, uh, Nick, we didn't do a man of the match poll. Uh, probably a good shout on that. That would have upset everybody. But instead, yeah. uh, what do what do we do? Uh, so I just uh, before the match yesterday, you know, before kind of some of the the shenanigans had ensued. I just did a, a simple, if you had to pick a, a Chelsea goal of the season, which would you choose? I just picked the the four that I thought were the best. I went and rewatched all of our goals and you know, there are a lot of, of great options, but I had to pick four because that's what Twitter limits me to. Uh, so the, the four options were the, the Maddich FA Cup semifinal rocket, uh, the Eden Hazard run against Arsenal, uh, Pedro uh, against Spurs um, in the league earlier in November. Uh, that that curler that kind of opened up the game, and then uh, underrated goal uh, from the uh, Capital One Cup or no, it's the EFL Cup now. Uh, was the Cesar Espilicueta volley uh, against Leicester City back in I think it was early September. Uh, you know, it's just he he lashed it. It was beautiful, uh, and Hazard. Uh, you know, unsurprisingly, I think won this poll with 60% of the vote uh, for his goal against Arsenal, which was sublime, amazing goal. If I had to pick one, I think I'd go with the Maddich goal because it's just a you know once in a lifetime type of hit. But uh, I'm interested to see what you guys think as well. Dan, I don't want to steal the thunder, so I'll let you take second step. Yeah, I think the one Photoshop edit I saw of the Hazard Arsenal run was turned Koscielny into like one of those fidget spinners that all the you know kids or individuals with uh, attention deficit disorder are playing around with now. And uh, just for that ingenuity alone, uh, I, I would say the Hazard Arsenal run, and that was that was you know quite quite a goal. Yeah, I I really liked Pedro's timing of his goal, so I take that into account too. And I think that Modic's FA Cup semifinal goal, uh, I mean, that had to absolutely just make everything erupt. Uh, it sealed the deal. We hate Tottenham. It was a thunderbolt. And uh, the best story of all, his son stopped 
going on and on about how how come you don't score, Dad. It's a good story. Uh, Simon, anything from you, I guess, uh, of those four? Obviously, they're all great. Yeah. It, just to add to that, that story about Matic, because um, I spoke to him um, after the Everton game um, about that goal, and uh, I said, oh, how many times have you watched it back? And he said, um, I've watched it 10 times but my son has watched it a hundred and it was just a, it was just a nice day. I mean, I I think, um, I think Matic, that, that goal was definitely the, the, the shot of the season, the strike of the season. But, but for me, um, FA Cup final aside, the Eden Hazard goal for me encapsulated Chelsea in the league, really Um, too strong, too good, too skillful, unstoppable. Um, and that's what I saw when I was when I was there at Stamford Bridge, and the the noise, the reaction um, to that goal, um, it was incredible. And the cameras then panned to Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich smiling, high fiving. It was a it was a pleasure to be at. The, the only thing is, is that with Edin, you just think that's the benchmark. Can can't you do that more often? Um, but when he does it, it, he is a joy to watch, and uh, and I'm sure Francis Coquelin will, will never forget his role in that goal <laughs> because um, I'm sure he's probably still got a few scars on his uh, on his back or his rear to to show for the the way that Eden Hazard just shrugged him off and sent him crashing to the ground. It was a, it was a great great moment. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea fans, for voting in that. As always, follow us on Twitter to do more of that. But, guys, I think this is going to wrap it up. This was uh, a good episode out of a difficult time. Uh, I think, you know, we have to give uh, credit where it's due. Simon always helping us get through these these tough times, uh, you know, this season. So thank you for joining again. I'm like the I'm like the agony uncle for for, uh, for che- Chelsea defeats to Arsenal, but but look, they they won the they won the league game that the matters in February, which which um which sort of really sort of sealed, was, was was sort of sending them into the distance as far as the tight race is concerned, and and um hey we'll, we'll be doing it all over again when uh, these two teams um they actually meet in, in Beijing first in in July, and then a couple of weeks later they'll meet each other back at Wembley for the Community Shield and um. And Chelsea will get a chance to make a statement and get some revenge nice and early. It will. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking ahead to that for sure. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. Uh, don't worry. Just because the season's over doesn't mean the podcast is over. We're going to be doing some summer content for sure. Uh, obviously, the Keep, Sell, Loan list that you guys love. We'll be doing a full season wrap-up. Look ahead to some youth developments and stuff with Tweeds. And then, obviously, Chelsea is a business sense with uh, Jake Cohen. But with that being said, Chelsea fans, thank you so much for making a great season. And don't worry. We'll be back. Not after the next match. But soon enough. So make sure you're subscribed everywhere and follow us on social media so you don't miss a thing. Anyways, Chelsea fans, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. Championship of England with two games to spare.